welcome to 2022. On this episode, we partied just a little too hard before recording. Taylor, I feel like I should start the show off by saying welcome to 2022. It is 1.14 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Taylor is making us do this because we do not know how to plan accordingly whatsoever, and we could have recorded this yesterday and had this in the canon, but instead we are here welcoming you into the new year the proper way. But we decided we want to mix things up this week, and instead of giving you the breakdown you've come accustomed to instead we are going to give you our favorite moments of 2021 go ahead and start this off what was your favorite moment of the last year it's an easy out i will say but my favorite moment by far was the return of cm punk not necessarily because cm punk showed up in AEW, but it gave me a moment of realization that AEW, whether you like them or not or personally for me building a roster of every one of my favorite wrestlers. So I think that they're putting out the most consistent wrestling show. I will agree with you that with that, that right now they have the most compelling wrestling show on TV, but there are certain things that are really starting to annoy the fuck out of me. And it's one of those things is Dan Lambert. One of those things is Brandy. Whenever she shows up, it's like, I don't fucking need this. One of those things is honestly seeing fucking punk. Well, Hold that thought, because I know you have a whole fucking rant about that. And I will say, you're not alone with the Brandy thing. Even with me, I'm on the same page with you. But I think it needs to be said, and it ha- this argument's been made before, but I'll make it again, but I'll try to make it make sense, right? Yes, people for- are easy to forgive things in AEW, right? But the difference between AEW and WWE is WWE's been doing this for many, many, many fucking years and have done it at a very high level and have done it at a very low level and have done it at a mid-level. And they seem to be right now at a mid-level. I'm not saying that there's not products coming out of that company that aren't successful. There are not things that are not selling merch. There's things that are selling merch. There's things that are selling tickets. But at the same time, let's talk about the day one thing. They're Literally, we're floating around on Twitter via Macho Beard, I believe is the uh, Twitter handle. Please forgive me if I got it wrong. Uh, was showing that he got an invitation to be a seat filler in Atlanta, Georgia. So they are doing the same thing they do for NXT, which we've talked about, where they are filling seats because they don't have enough people in attendance. Even we talked about the show that very much focused on the hard camera because they had a whole side of the fucking arena that wasn't filled. They're finding people in advance to go ahead and do what they need to do to present a completely different thing on TV, which makes sense. If you're a producer of a television show, you want to make sure everyone thinks that you are doing everything at a high level, whether they're actually achieving that level or not. It's just, it's basics of wanting to present yourself the right way. If I am a show that has people in the fucking background. I want you to see that I have a bunch of people who are interested because if I can't even fill an arena full of people, why do I expect you to watch the product that I'm presenting? This isn't like WrestleMania or Survivor Series. This is day one. 
It's not a huge pay-per-view. It's a it, brand But is it, it it's not a paper, huge pay-per-view? It has Brock Lesnar versus fucking Roman Reigns. Yeah. That, You're telling me you can't sell that out? Roman Reigns has uh, main evented every pay-per-view for the but last still, six months, whether it be a random in, shot in the dark pay-per-view, crown jewel, it doesn't matter. He main events every single one. So let me ask you this. If you have that as the main event of WrestleMania, it's going to sell out, right? Probably. So why can't they do it in a normal pay-per-view? Because it's at a random place in Atlanta, Georgia. But it's not. It's Atlanta, Georgia, a very big hotspot in America. Not to mention, wrestling shows did not happen a year and a half ago. So now they're just coming back to all of these places, and you have Brock Lesnar fucking versus Roman Reigns, and you can't sell out that building? Well, let- What are you doing wrong that you have two top fucking stars, and you can't even put enough butts in the seats? Uh, let me tell you what what you're not taking into account for, though, is we're going into another pandemic where people are not wanting to go out because of the new variant of this coronavirus. Again, no one's wanting to go out. It's harder to fill arenas and you can watch it for fucking free on Peacock. Are football teams having this issue? Yes. Are basketball teams having yes. this issue? Is the UFC having this issue? Yes. Are they though? Because yes. I haven't heard anything about them having to completely but you, block out. But you also don't arena. watch the games and look in the crowd and be like, oh, I do. this looks empty. I haven't seen a fucking empty Bucks game yet. Because the Bucks are the world champions last year. They're the best team in the world. Taylor, I'm sorry. I know you're a diehard Lions fan, but whether the COVID issue is happening or not, you're probably going to have empty seats but in they're Detroit. Also, they're, but also, they're the, the best team in the world, and this is their home stadium. But I watch other teams. I'm just saying, like, I'm using the Bucks as an example because but the Bucks are the example that is like, hey man, they're the best though. Like everybody, that's why the ticket prices went from forty dollars to one hundred and twenty. I haven't seen issues in the Bills stadium. Bills haven't won a championship yet, and, but they still don't have an issue in their stadium. So that's what I'm saying. Is you look at these other sports, these other sports, and technically. Whether we like it or not, sports entertainment and wrestling so, do classify as sports. Football also is not a good comparison measure because football basketball. blows. Basketball's had horrible attendance okay. ratios this year. It's been completely killed. Hockey's the same way. They're what about hurt. UFC? I don't know much about UFC enough to speak on it because I don't watch their mid-card fights, but I'm sure that their mid-card fights that aren't those Conor McGregor fights are having empty seats. I also had a friend who was at the Jake Paul fight the other day, and he said it was fucking wild. Well, that dude that dude knows how to sell himself better than anybody else in the world right but now. What, so what I'm saying is WWE should know how to sell themselves better than anyone in the world right now, and they have Brock fucking Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Let me ask you this. Brock fucking Lesnar. Is he a top 15 wrestler of all time? No. No. Depends on who you ask. Did John Cena sell the arena out? The fuck yeah. Yeah, he did. If I if I have to be real with you, and I look at what I look for in a wrestler, I might put Brock Lesnar in my top 15. Wow. Hot take. I like Brock Lesnar, but that's rough. He's a person who does exactly what he's supposed to. Every <laughs> single time, whether you like it or not. That's not necessarily true. He's hurt a handful of people. Who? God, God damn it. You're going to make me Google? This I is am. not a, a fucking... This is a weird thing you do where you just enjoy me Googling things during the I podcast. love you I will Googling find things. It. I will find it. I know it's a handful of people. I was just reading But what I'm just saying week. is you know what kind of wrestlers I like. You know that I like a more traditional wrestling style. I like suplexes. I like groundwork. I like submission work. I like actually telling a story within the ring. And even though... 
Brock Lesnar tells a story not many people like, he still tells a story. One of my favorite matches to this day will forever be John Cena versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Because at that point, you had never seen John Cena get his ass whooped like Brock Lesnar did. He went in there and for 30 minutes beat the shit out of John Cena. And he mortified people because no one had ever seen it. And I'm just sitting there laughing my ass off because it's believable, but it wasn't, but it was. And it's just this beautiful thing that you can't look away from almost like a car accident, right? It's, you just want more of it. And I still go back and look at that fondly. Hell, I might go fucking watch that match tonight on Peacock because it's that good. It was just something that was unbelievable. I have many personal stories that revolve around watching that match. Well, I also want to say that I have. I remember where I was when I watched that. Match. I don't I don't think I don't want this to sound like I'm not giving him the respect he deserves because he's a good damn wrestler. And both those Roman Reigns or the Roman Reigns match was amazing, dude. Like, I, I have no complaints. Can I tell you, now that I think about it, two of my top five matches revolve around him. It's that John Cena Brock Lesnar match from SummerSlam, and then that Kurt Angle Kurt Brock Lesnar Iron Man match. So the other one, the not Iron Man match one at Survivor Series is my favorite match. I think I just realized, Taylor, Brock Lesnar might be one of my favorite fucking wrestlers. So I did get a list of the wrestlers he got he heard if you want it. All right. Uh, he's hurt like Shawn Michaels. He's hurt the big show. He's hurt Roman Reigns. Intentionally or by accident? No, they're accidental things, but that doesn't make him a safe worker if you have a history of hurting people. But also, were these injuries in his first run or his second run? There's four different eras of wrestlers that I just hit you with. The big show, Shawn Michaels. All of those people could have been in his first run. The, rec- the Roman Reigns one wasn't. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think Seth Rollins intentionally injured Stane? No, intentional is what we're saying is not intentional. But what we're saying is when it becomes a pattern, it's a problem. It's never intentional. And occasionally it's intentional, but But it's barely ever intentional. When you're wrestling a certain style, you know what you're going into. And it goes both ways. If people aren't selling the moves the right way, it can also go in that way. Because if they don't know what they're going into with Brock Lesnar, like if you don't do your homework, you're in for a bad fucking night. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. I don't know. I'd give him top 20. I just think top 10, top 15 might be a little steep. I just think when you look at the style of wrestlers I like, it would make sense. Now, I do... I Now, I would have to go down and like make a list and really think about it, but I... Feasibly, you could put him in my top 15 comfortably. Yeah, maybe. That's a possibility. So I know we're kind of switching things up tonight. Go ahead and give me your movie review of the week, and then we're going to go to an ad break. I thought that Sting movie was bad, bro. I really did. But this movie I watched this week was far worse. I remember talking to you on your like lawn the other day, and you're like, dude, this was an absolute dumpster fire. So I, I hate to do this to Paul White, because Paul White ends up in this movie as well. But I have to, dude. This is a this is gonna get the lowest rating I've ever given a movie. Wow. What did he do? So it's called Little Hercules 3D. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. I remember. So the Hulk plays Zeus, which is uh Hercules' dad. And then the bad guy is Marduk, which is played by a big show. Um, Who was the casting agent of this fucking movie? But the thing is, all the other people in the movie are like relatively famous. It's like Judd Nelson and Elliot Gould, and like it's just like, why are all these people doing this? And it feels looks like it's filmed on like a home camera, like they didn't try at all. It was like a lost footage movie or <laughs> some point, shit. He like falls from the sky into a pool, and then his like shield and sword fall too. But you can tell that someone threw him off screen like five feet away. 
and they like hit the lawn chair perfectly. It's like, oh, guys, just try a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't need a lot. I just need you to put a little effort into this. So I've heard rumors of this movie for years because the kid that plays Hercules was like insanely muscular. Please give me the description of this man that you gave me to remind me of him the other day in your yard. So I always see these commercials. They're like a small boy gets way too big. And then what's he look like now or something like now? It's one of those top click- 10 celebrities. And yeah, how like, they look like now. It's like a clickbait story. And it's always like a kid flexing and he's got like a 13 pack. And the kid really does have a 13 pack. He was just stupid jacked at like 10 years old. Plot twist. There was depression, man. Poor guy now just looks like a normal fellow. At least he's leveled out. You know, sometimes you just have to go through a phase, and I guess bodybuilding was a phase for him. So this guy, uh, he lives on Mount Olympus with his dad, Zeus, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan, who looks rough. This is 2009. Not a good time for Hulk Hogan. Wow. Was he that young? Are you sure this came out in 2009? 2009, I looked at it. Um, yeah, I'm so, going to Google this. That's fine. So... He lives in Mount Olympus and he wants to get out and see what the earth is like because he's never felt any kind of pain or any feelings. So essentially he uh, sneaks out and goes to earth. Well, uh, Zeus makes a deal with Marduk that if he doesn't come back in a week and survive this, that Marduk basically gets to take Mount Olympus away. So the whole movie is him being like a kid on earth, but he doesn't really know what anything is. Like he's never seen any earth things because he's never been to earth. I will say, like, there were parts of this movie where I was, like, I was invested in it. And then there are other parts where it took me three or four settings to get through scenes. So I would say that this has got to be a one out of five. I wouldn't recommend anybody ever watch this. If you thought the shrunken head thing for Hulk was bad, this is way worse. I'm sorry for laughing over you talking the last, like, 30 seconds, but I've been looking at a picture of Hulk Hogan in this movie and as Zeus. Boy, I mean, uh, is it rough. If you guys are wondering what that looks like, I've uh, posted a couple pictures of it on Twitter this week already. So this also looks like a Russian movie poster, which is even better. But I will say, when I look at those clickbait ads, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm always thinking that they are like so much older than they are. They look like the pictures are from like 1999. But no, he was that young in 2009. <laughs> Why do you have even more pictures of him? I have a bunch of pictures. I need to see Paul White in this movie. Hold he on. looks worse. <laughs> it's not any better, but Oh, God. It's not any better. All right, guys. So we're back with the match of the week with our good friend Shady. Last week, we were talking about WWF in 1998. So we thought we would talk about WCW this week in 1998. So we go a couple of weeks later to December 27th. We have Starcade 1998 presented from Washington, D.C., and the match we'll be talking about today is going to be Goldberg versus Kevin Nash. And this match went for about 11 minutes and 20 seconds. And this is pretty, pretty saucy because this was a monumental point in the quote-unquote downfall of WCW, I'd like to think, because Goldberg was still red hot. This is that streak that, you know, will go down in history, whether you like Goldberg or not. This is what made Goldberg. And uh, I'm really intrigued to get your thoughts on this match. Well, the the big thing, the big thing for me is I felt like I was never a big Goldberg fan. It wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't for me. It, it, I, I was more of a work rate wrestler. And I think any match that lasted longer than 20 seconds exposed him. And there was there was quite a few points in this match which I kind of thought it made it didn't make him look as good as he could have done. And I, do you know what I mean from a from a wrestler point of view, I don't know if that was 
just his lack of experience or if if Nash was not helping him as much <laughs> as he yeah. could have done. Um, but the likes of the the started the match with like a headlock, and then next thing you know, uh, he's he's bumping Kevin Nash with a back suplex, and it's just like I don't really know what's going on. Why this Nash? They should be brawling. <laughs> you 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 don't make Goldberg look weak if you if you brawl with him and go a bit of back and forth, but by exposing him by making him wrestle, you kind of go, oh, he doesn't look as good when he's <laughs> when he's in a headlock. <laughs> um, and and the thing is, all all Goldberg's offense just looked amazing. Yeah, like all of his stuff was so cool, and I I got it, but it doesn't connect past a, a yay that looked that looked good. You, if if you've got a, a baby face that's selling and getting beaten up, you want people to feel sorry for him, and. I tell you what, I don't care who Goldberg's getting beat up by. I'm not going to feel sorry for the man because he's huge. <laughs> even knowing what happened, you're like, oh, I think he kind of deserved this at this point. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a big guy. He, you know, at any point that he was going to get back up and fight back. And unfortunately, his lack of selling and registering of moves it, it exposed it even more because there was times when he'd just kind of get up <laughs> and it's just like, just sell it, sell it a little bit more. The, 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 the threw away a, a low blow spot and it, it just kind of, it, nobody seemed bothered by it. And I know it was an ODQ match, so it was, it didn't have to be out of the way of the referee or anything, but you could have made it a big turning point in the match. Nash had to resort to a low blow to get the advantage and start getting the beat down. But then he, he gave him a low blow and then he whipped him into the buckles. And it's like, if you've been hitting the nuts and then you I get asked to run into the buckles, you're like, you know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, and so you mentioned that you're like, it's potentially Kevin Nash and not doing uh, Goldberg any favors. Do you think it could have been mutual though on Goldberg's part as well? Because imagine going up and telling Goldberg, Hey, you're putting Nash over tonight. Yeah, um, it, it could have been, and that could also just be lack of experience on Girl Goldberg's point of view. If you think even in 98, he hadn't actually wrestled for that long mm-hmm. in the bigger picture. So it's he's still relatively new by 1998. So he maybe didn't quite understand how he can make more money. <laughs> I know he was making enough, but if you do work it properly at, at that level while still playing ball, you can make more money. Hmm. So he he maybe kind of went, oh well, if if it looks like he's on top, I'm I'm gonna lose out here. I'm, it's 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 almost like he could have thought this is almost quite shoot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the there's a point where they start doing like wrestling holds on on the map. <laughs> and he's just kind of like, what? Why is why is Kevin Nash doing an arm bar? And it, it was, it was, yeah, it just looked odd. And a, a big thing when when I had when I had watched it, I had actually watched last week's uh, match, uh, similar time frame, mm-hmm. and the crispness in the brawling by the WWF wrestlers was just like a million times better. And it didn't. 
he could have went back and forth between Austin and Undertaker, but you still, you could see, okay, well, Undertaker's up now, he's fighting him, oh, he's fighting back. Whereas, as watching the Goldberg-Nash fight, it was like Goldberg was getting, was getting, maybe getting punched, and then he'd, he'd rush to go, okay, well, I'm going to punch him back. And it's like, take your time, have, have your cell, and then, then like, Nash, is, Nash knows you're going to give him a, a shot back, so <laughs> then, then do it. And it's just that slow down, it's always a, a veteran uh, feedback fair. Any any wrestler slow down, and it would have made a massive difference if if Goldberg had. And so, with the meat of the potatoes of the match, it makes me wonder because with the finish, you're imagining they're trying to protect Goldberg by having interference cause him to lose the title. But yeah. with the quality of the match up to that point, do you think it manages to do that? Or it's all in all when people look back at it, because people do look back at it now. They're like, eh, it's easier to kind of say, see why the decision went the way it yeah. did. Um, I, I think if, if the, the match had been better and they kept the finish the same, then I don't think anybody would have had a problem with Goldberg being beaten. Mm-hmm. Um. One, well, two notes on the, the finish, though, was was Bam Bam Bigelow in the NWO? I think at one point. So I'd like to say I know everyone in the NWO, but <laughs> I watched a video one time, and it tried to list every single member. And I think it's easier to go, hey, who was in WCW from X date to this date? And then make a list of people who weren't involved in that at one point or the other. Like, uh, that, that that went right over my head if if Bam Bam was in because I just thought that like I seen seen Bam Bam run out and I was like oh I can't remember him being in um, and the other thing was Scott Hall uh, was dressed as a security guard yeah and I thought that was weird too like why are you trying to pull a bamboozling or like why couldn't we just have him come out yeah it, it confused nobody he just got on the apron and did it it. The announce team sold the shit out of it, though. They were like, what? What? That's Scott Hall. Like, yeah, no, we know. Like, you can't miss Scott Hall. <laughs> He's very noticeable. If there was if there was some point where it, it was clear that there was security guards splitting all the fighting up, then you could have kind of lost Hall in the shuffle as a disguise, and then and then he did it. There was none of that, and it just kind of was like, oh, well, that was... <laughs> Did he just want to dress as a, as a security guard? <laughs> and so when this happened, too, I know a lot of the problems in the backstage was that there's a lot of egos. And shortly after this, we got another very controversial moment in WCW with the finger poke of doom. Do you think the finger poke of doom was planned when this finish was decided or do you think it was just an ego like thing last minute kind of what we see in other promotions today it's it's hard to tell with there was so many of of the egos your hogan's and your nashes and even bischoff as bound would would have had his own agendas so yeah kind of figuratively putting putting our finger on it it's kind of hard to point out who who would have been the bigger culprit behind pulling for that one, to be honest? Yeah, it's it's a very weird situation. And 
if now if they do know about the finger poke of doom at least you could look at it well hey maybe they're trying to save goldberg so he doesn't get involved in at least that stupid shit but like we just discussed i think with the body of the match and the finish and then what proceeded to happen no favors were done to anyone it easily could have been the needed the belt on hogan but they didn't want goldberg to lose to hogan and like lose the belt straight to him and like i also understand that if you're if you're going to use that as your is your big selling point but doing it the way they did it it really soured the whole thing from devaluing the title to making goldberg look worse because nash nash beat him by cheating and then didn't even want the title it yeah it just it was it was a very strange way of doing business let's cross our fingers that it works out for him you know i'm a little <laughs> bit behind so i don't know how things turn out well, Shady, it's always a pleasure. Make sure you guys come back next week because me and Shady will be talking about All Out 2021 as we take this ride. We'll see you next week, bud. Taylor, I just want to say I cannot sing Shady's praises enough that he is coming on this show each and every single week. Taylor, you want to bitch about CM Punk. And Why I do let you always do, do this? Your segues, man. So It's the best. It's, it's, it's the best. something. It's something. So this motherfucker, dude... <laughs> I'm All just, right, you're already starting it off great, so I'm you're just, complaining at me. I'm just trying to understand, dude. Like, he told that half-assed Tim Tebow joke that was not funny in the least. I thought it was great. And then he took a fucking bow. I tried to make this same joke on the podcast a year ago, and you were like, nope, nope, not funny. And this motherfucker gets up there, takes a bow after the joke, and has a fucking standing ovation. How is he this fucking over? This shit is so fucking annoying. How long is he going to do this fucking farewell tour? It's like he's leaving or something or retiring. He's getting praise from everywhere. Hi, Milwaukee. It's lovely to be here. The home of beer. I don't drink. What the fuck are you doing in every city? He is some kind of little factor factoid about the city. I'm annoyed with him. Can he just stop this shit and just focus on wrestling? I want to give you props for your consistency, but I know Kevin is listening to this and cringing because at the this point you're not appreciating long-term storytelling it's going to change eventually but let him do his thing because at this point he is a face and he is getting the reaction he needs listen man you can be a face and like i'm cool with the first half of this like the brody shit was beautiful like i don't hate him as a person i just hate this like smile uh, let's kiss some babies character he's doing it's fucking annoying dude let's cut the shit your problem is you've heard this joke a million times on sports radio, but you haven't heard it on Tony Khan's wrestling. But show. this is all he does is he just takes these half-ass lines and serves them up. And then the bow thing is the last straw. Like I will, I will deal with your shit. I will let you come around here and high five everybody and jump into the crowd and paint stings makeup on your face. I'll let you do all this shit. It's fine. But then we're going to do this thing where it's like, I'm funny. Go ahead, applaud. And it's like, no, dude. Like, that's not the psychology of how this works for me. Like, no. It's working. He's doing exactly what he's intending to what do. What do you mean? Everybody loves him. Here's the thing. He's getting international praise. And he's not doing anything to earn the international praise. And he knows it. The thing is, he's a baby face because no matter what he does right now, unless he goes and does something ridiculous that's out of character, 
which he doesn't necessarily want to do, he will be a babyface. So he's letting it happen. However, he's planting seeds every single week for the heel turn. If you're going to give him a hand job, you should at least go get in the car with him. Fuck you. It's not <laughs> like that. I'm just saying, I, I see what's happening. He's doing what he needs to do. There are so many people in this world that just want to say, hey, welcome back, CM Punk. I'm happy to have you here, including me. But I see what he's doing. There's each and every single week, there's a little thing here and there where you're like, oh, that's going to turn someone. And it did it for you week one. And you're playing into it, Taylor. There's going to be a point in time where we're and supposed to hate him. Watching, and, and I'm you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be like, I've been telling you since day fucking one. And that's the point. And I'm here ready to hate CM Punk right there with you. No, I don't hate CM Punk. You do. No, in a wrestling ring, I love him. I think he's brilliant. I also think he's brilliant on a microphone. I just think this shit is boring. Why can't I? Like, everything has to be so But you love Randy Orton. No, but I like what Randy Orton's doing now. For a period of time, I was bored with him. It's a fair assessment. I did do that to Randy Orton. The man's Orton. been gone for seven fucking years. And then he should have a lot of energy to be good. He is being good. You're sa- you've said it yourself. The promo was good. The problem with it is you're done with this farewell. Do you know However, this-, this was his first pl- time in Daly's Place, but, the home of AEW. But, this is- but that's fine. He did five minutes of that on the beginning of the monologue. And it was fine then. I don't mind that. That's fine. I don't mind the Brody Lee stuff. That's fine. It's the extra 10 minutes of horse shit that he shoveled onto our faces. And then he bowed and said, yay, it's me, CM Punk. And everybody was so excited. I'm tired of him. That's how you be a baby face, though. He gave the fucking hometown what they wanted. Everyone hated the Tim Tebow signing and he made fun of it and he did it gracefully and it popped people what do you expect he gave the people what they fucking wanted and they ate it up like fucking rice krispies i don't know man why can you why are you mad at that he's doing what he's supposed to fucking do because it's not my style bro and this is the problem with the booking of aw this is what the meat and potatoes of this problem is this is the booking of aw where they give us the same fucking segment five times in a row whether it be sting and darby allen over and over and over and over and over and over again, or it's Cody Rhodes over and over and over again with the same fucking thing, or it's CM Punk on a farewell tour in eight different cities, eight weeks in a row, doing the same fucking thing. The first time it was fine. The second time it was fine. The third time it was fine. But then it starts to be like, all right, dude, I've already seen this movie. I've already watched Anchorman eight times this week. I don't need to watch it again. I know what's going to happen. It brings me back to exactly what I was saying. For the fans that want to eat it up and the people in person that are eating it up, it's doing what it's supposed to. And then for people who know he's going to turn or people who just... How do you know he's going to turn, though? He could do this forever. It's CM Punk. He's a better heel. I don't know, man. I, th- I think you're, you're fantasy booking something that hasn't happened yet. What I'm saying is the body of work that he's put together in a wrestling ring has been a, a B minus. No. Yes. I, I'm going to say he's putting on spectacular matches. Spectacular can be a B minus. Okay. Ryan well, Danielson, on the other hand, is hitting only A's. 
Brian Danielson on a microphone is hitting only A's. But you have to understand where they're at. I think you're comparing them because Brian Danielson is in the main event picture and CM Punk isn't. No, it's not about that. It's not about that. I've enjoyed the matches with every one of those Dark Order members just as much as I've enjoyed the title feud. CM Punk is lighting a fire in the mid card. He is getting the recognition he's been waiting for because the whole world has been chiming for seven fucking years for this man to come back. And there are a lot of talents he has not hit. And he is going to give every single person their due. And then there's going to come a point where AEW starts doubling back on these places. And there's going to be a time where there's no more fans to just soak it in and get what they wanted. And then he is going to turn for storyline purposes. He's already foreshadowed by saying that he's interested in the title. I'm he, I'm I'm cool with it. And if it happens, I'm still going to watch it. This is not me saying I'm turning off my TV on AEW. I'm still going to be there next Wednesday with popcorn in hand. Ready to watch the show. I'm not boycotting AEW because I don't like CM Punk. I'm just annoyed with the continuous dumb bullshit. Eventually, it's got to stop. That's all I'm saying. I'm cool with it. Like, I understand how wrestling works, that he's going to wring the towel dry of all the fans' appreciation. I'm just cool. Like, every week, I see him come out, and he does his little happy strut to the whatever that thing is his new little happy walk he does and i'm just like dude i've had enough like i know how this goes you know what i mean like i'm just i i understand what you're saying like i understand that's how wrestling works but i know what i'm gonna get and i'm kind of tired of it when this when the mjf thing happens i'm sure that it'll, it'll reignite me when they have their match and they're gonna have their match I'll put this in the terms you can uh, appreciate. You know, it's like when you go to a fast food place and you keep on getting the same sandwich every day and you're just like, all right, I know what kind of fast food sandwich. But if it's a sandwich that I like, then I don't mind it. If it's a McDouble, I eat a McDouble every day. That shit never well, gets CM old. Well, Punk's the McChicken to me. And I love a McChicken. But I really don't like a McChicken. Except, I guess, occasionally. So that's a good way to put it. I'm glad you downgraded him to a fucking dollar sandwich. Damn, dude. I didn't even go that hard on him. It's you not just a dollar. on him. It's a dollar now. Well, That's you know what? Let's sandwich. go ahead and hit the people with some fast food history. You know how the McDouble came around? The McDouble was a substitute for the double cheeseburger. The double cheeseburger became too expensive to produce for just a dollar. So it was moved from the dollar menu to the more expensive menu. And in its place, they put the McDouble, do you have, which um, was a singular piece of cheese compared to the double cheeseburger, which was two pieces of cheese. Do you have a um, family that own uh, McDonald's or like long lost cousins? Are you possibly a McDonald's? No, I just frequent a McDonald's when I was younger. And I, uh, it was really funny. So I kept on abusing the under 13 child cone. And I would walk to the, my local McDonald's all the time and get those like fucking free ice cream cones. But then I convinced the general manager of the store that I was a completely different person. And he treated me in a really weird way. But I always got like kind of benefits when I went to the McDonald's. So, you know, that was just my joint. But at this point, I really don't eat that place because <laughs> fuck fast food. But anyway, my so point is just... I do know some things or stuff. First of all, don't ever disrespect McDonald's like that. I, you know what? Alive. If I'm being real, I think I had a McChicken yesterday, but I did not purchase it. I it don't was know. Bought for me. I haven't purposely bought a McChicken in like three years. 
before we move on to the last segment, because it occurred to me, Taylor, you did not give me your wrestling moment of 2021, and that's how I'd like to end the show. I do just want to shout out a random Christian metalcore band for Ted, because we had this conversation where we thought we were kind of going a little bit off base, talking about all these obscure metalcore bands, but we found out our fan base actually enjoys that kind of shit, and I don't want to pigeonhole them. So, Ted, this week's band is going to be a plea for purging. I'd love to know your thoughts. and. For the record, we do have some questions from the fans, but we're going to discuss them on Wednesday. With that being said, Taylor, give me your wrestling moment of 2021 so we can end this out with a bang. These are both matches. I'm sorry that if I've got two moments and they're both matches. I'm sorry if that's... How uh, fucking dare you? The first one is uh, Walter, the Walter versus Dragunov match. That shit was so fucking fire, dude. But that only makes sense because that was uh, a top five match of the year. Well, the other one's a top five match of the year as well. Can I take a guess? Yeah. It's going to be Kenny versus Brian. Damn, bro. You think? I do. And let me guess I'm right. Either that or Hangman Brian. It is Kenny versus Brian. It is Kenny versus Brian. That was the best professional match, wrestling match I'd seen since that Walter match. I can say that what how I know that a match is a top five match of the year is at some point in all those matches, I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat, just like with my mouth open, which very, very rarely happens to me. Like it only ha- like I watch a lot of wrestling, but a lot of the times I'm just chilling. And if something's really, really good, I'm right up in the screen, just like, how the fuck is this happening? And it happened in those two matches, and it happened in Roman, Brian, uh, Edge as well. There was a point where I was like, Jesus, dude, like where do we go from here? Do me a favor, Taylor, and I feel like this will be the best way to encapsulate your year of wrestling in 2021 because you've told me a couple different times that Brian Danielson became your favorite wrestler this year, and he has always been a top five for me. I think he might be a two or three. I want you to tell me why he became one of your favorite wrestlers this year. The character that he embodied as he moved into AEW was something that really, really intrigued me from like a psychology standpoint because it was like it was so different from what CM Punk had done, where CM Punk had come in and been like, it it's I hate this because it seems like I'm shitting on him and I'm not. He's been incredible and he has absolutely changed the fortunes of AEW being there. But he was like the happy, I'm really happy to be here. And then Brian comes in and it's just like I just want to beat people up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to fight people. Like, I'm not really here to, you know, shake your hand and be friends with you. I just want to kick your head in. And like, I think that like the whole persona of his character and then watching him in that Kenny match, which was just so incredible. And then he comes back the next week and he cuts that uh, heel promo where it's like, he's just like, it's scorched earth. Like he didn't try to be scorched earth, but he went scorched earth on everybody in the room. And it was just like, Jesus, dude, like, how does this guy get any better? And he has continually every week been able to entertain me one week after one week. I'm just like, Jesus, what an entertaining segment. I hope I don't butt in or anything, but it's fun to see. Like, he's one of those people you can tell truly did have creative freedom in WWE, but to a certain extent. Right. So now that you're seeing him with total creative freedom, it's a completely different situation because he is just a cut above every single other person. Except for Bobby Fish. Fish King. <laughs> Fish King. Or Sam Punk, in my opinion. But I know... No, man, no. He's, I, I don't. I don't. I think he's one of the <laughs> best wrestlers alive right now. 
If you're if you're uh, counting wrestlers that are currently wrestling and CM Punk isn't in your top five to ten, you're wrong. And I will say it again, and I know this might be a controversial take. I don't think we would have the Hangman run we've had so far without Danielson. He would not be able to be legitimized the way he has without him because him, just like I've said in the past, has had the fortune of wrestling such exceptional people who have been wrestling for so long and know how to carry a match. And that's what he's getting now. He's getting someone who can give him a 60-minute Broadway. And I don't know if there's a million different people on the roster in either company or any company that could do that. Now, I'm there are people I can name. I think Josh Alexander could do it, for perfect example. That's just someone right off the top of the dome. But I don't think many people, if you present them, hey, I want you to wrestle for 60 minutes and give a a plus match who could actually rise up to the occasion. Brian Danielson without question is one of those people, right? So for us to have this situation where he's going from wrestling Kenny Omega to wrestling Brian Danielson, it's just making him look so fucking good. I will take a moment to shout him out because he has definitely deserved everything he's gotten this year, but I just hope he can take the company to the levels he needs to take. And you know, you say I'm a fool on AEW, Mark, but I will say I have my doubts within a couple different storylines in the company, and I can be fully transparent about that. But I still think at the end of the day, they're giving me exactly what I need out of a wrestling company currently. And I also don't think have it's a bad it. thing, because what you're saying is true. They're putting out a consistent show on Wednesday every week that's better than every other show. And even Friday is still really good. Hmm. I know you feel differently. But no, I wouldn't say it's bad. I would just say that it's not as good because there's no there's no story building on Rampage. Like it's there to put main events on, like three main event matches that maybe you couldn't fit on a Wednesday night. You just throw on a Friday, and like I think that a lot of times I find that they're matches that I don't care about as much. Can I double down on something I've said this year? Or last year, I guess, because we are already in 2022 as of recording this. Yeah, shoot. I think it should be a two-hour show. Well, okay. I would... And I think you have an audience. If you can move into that even 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock, fuck it. Go head-to-head for an hour with SmackDown. If you're really that confident, which I do feel like Tony Khan could justify that decision, go an hour in, 9 to fucking 1, or 9 to 11. Or... Do 10 to 12 o'clock. I think they could do it. Whether it's live audience or DVRs, what audience you're going for, if you put a compelling show in, you can make people sit in on a Friday night, and I believe that. I would be interested. I'd like to give them a trial run at least. Maybe TBS will if the ratings are good enough. I like to think that moving to TBS is a positive, not a negative, like some people have painted it. But with that, we're going to go ahead and move into this new year. Thank you for going ahead and waiting around for the show. You got something else to no, say? No, no, no. Well, with that, go ahead and please buy some merch from us. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling. Go follow the big three at JD Wrestling at Tot Pod at Year of Pod. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, bitches.